On today's episode, I'll be interviewing television writer Vivian Lin about her journey into the television and film world and her thoughts on representation within the industry. What up, what up, listeners? Welcome to You Better Represent podcast. Each week, we explore representation in cinema by reviewing a minority-led film with members of that underrepresented community and debate a cultural topic plucked from the movie's themes. Also, we do monthly bonus episodes where we feature one-on-one interviews with creators discussing representation in their creative field, and this is one of those monthly bonus episodes. So today, um, we have our very first interview with award-winning television writer Vivian Lin. Welcome to the show, Vivian. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being on here. Um, I'm just going to read out a few of your amazing credits. Please jump in. I I, I got these off of IMDb, (laughs) which sometimes is not the perfect source. So please definitely let me know um, because we want to get this right. But you are credited as a writer on shows such as The Lake, Sky Med, Killjoys, Carter, Hudson and Rex, Bajillionaires, and Holly Hobby. Um, you're Those are all true stories. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've also got you as co-executive producer for Hudson and Rex on City TV. And I want to congratulate you. I saw that it has been announced for season four returning on October 21st. Yes. That thank is you. amazing. Yeah, amazing. Um, I'm not co-EP this year. I am. I'm. Mm. What is it called? A satellite person. I'm writing one of the scripts, but there is ah. a new team. I went, had to do other some other shows. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, so I, but and so I, the timing of it is that I'm joining them now. So, but, uh, the there you end. go. There you go. Thank but you. But you're in that good hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also you're saw good you. Pause? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also saw you directed and wrote a short um, called And They Watched um, back in 2015. Uh, You are the winner of Telefilm New Voices Award and and a bronze prize winner uh, at the Page Awards Mm -hmm. and nominated for Canadian Screen Award and a Writers Guild of Canada Screenwriting Award. And finally, and what we'll actually talk about this a little bit later, um, is that you were one of 18 participants in the inaugural Warner Media Access Writers Program. So we'll talk all about that in just a bit. And so, you know, just before we jump into your actual career, I, I, I was seeing on your on your social media, you retweeted Simu Liu's Shang-Chi tweet that said, let's freaking go. And uh, I just want to ask you, as an Asian in the television and film industry right now, what does it mean to you um, to be in this moment where Shang-Chi is basically taking over the world, number one for two weeks, um, starring a Canadian-Asian actor? And uh, what what does it mean to you? Oh, my God. It's incredible. It's, like, so incredible. And... um, Okay, I have a weird story. I don't know uh-huh. if I want to tell. Whatever, I'll just I'll do it. <laughs> but it was funny because I was doing this like Facebook interview, like just from the BIPOC thing. Like it was like I think the February of whatever year, like a few years ago. Yeah. And Simu jumped on and he was like, "What do you think about 
Asian representation and how are you championing it? And I said, like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do my best, but like Canada's tough. And like, yeah. like, how is it that you're not a Marvel star that I literally said that? <laughs> and I was like, how is it that you are not in a Marvel movie? Like it, like, I mean, look at him. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. and so, I mean, obviously now, <laughs> and then he would, his response was, I'm working on it. And I remember oh, wow. being like, okay, okay. And then like six months later, he was announced and I was like, oh shit, you, oh, can I swear? Sorry. Yeah. I was like, oh dang. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. dang. Like you legit were working on it. So like, and to see him because, you know, there's a, like a little bit of a, you kind of get stuck in Canada sometimes. Mm-hmm. Especially, I'm sure, if you're an Asian actor, like, there's not that Mm -hmm. many roles to play and there's not many places to go and there's not much press to push you. And so to see him break through is, like, pretty astounding. I realize it's a podcast, so I can't just make faces. So it's incredibly (laughs) astounding and, like, it's almost a miracle. Like, so... Uh, For those listening on the podcast, if you would like to see Vivian's facial expressions, they will be on the the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash rice comedy, um, where we post a lot of our Asian our Asian videos. Um, I, the other thing I wanted to ask you as well is I was looking through your Instagram. I, I'm a bit of a, you know, prior to interviews, I like to do my research, also known as internet stalking. Um, <laughs> but I was looking at your Instagram and your cat, Starvy, <laughs> is Starvey. the cutest thing. Tell me about Starvy and how, how did you come up with that name? That is literally the first thing I thought of. I was like, because it, it can mean a lot of things, Vivian. It can mean a lot of things. But, uh, so, yes. <laughs> Tell me about Starvy. <laughs> oh, sweet Starvy. He's got, he's got a new haircut. He's got like, he's shaved. It's summer. Mm. He's got his like summer fashion going. Mm. Uh, I guess it's fall now. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> um, but his, we didn't actually name him. His, uh, my partner's friend had um, like, he was like a stray cat who they mm. fed. He was in the backyard. And then um, when they would feed him a bowl of food, he would mash his whole face. It would just be like this. <laughs> so they're like, I guess he's starving. And so they oh. called him Starvy. <laughs> so, and we're oh. like, you know what? He does do that. So we might just keep it. So. <laughs> there you go. We there also you call go. him Steve Harvey sometimes as a, oh. as a long there form of <laughs> bit of a mashup you know names with multiple yeah. meanings are, are always great um always great um yeah i actually i've got a i've got my my own cat um named tofu and uh yeah actually oh. i was hoping I was hoping he'd wander into the camera shop, but I think he's he's decided to take an afternoon nap. But um, yeah, he uh, honestly, I don't know how I would have gone through the pandemic without him. So just wanted to give a shout out to uh, cats everywhere, including to your amazing cat, Starvy. Um, okay, so let's jump into your career because I'm, I'm fascinated about this. There are not a lot of Asians or prominent Asians in the Canadian filmmaking industry um, and you know who certainly have with your resume with the awards you've won you know so I'm just so so wish interested there were more. to hear wish there were more <laughs> so you know one, one thing I wanted to, to ask you about is why like what was it that that, that sort of sparked your interest you know it, this, it, like prior to this becoming a job like what made you um 
what what made you look into this field? Um, it's funny, right? Because growing up, I never knew it was a job at all. Like, mm. there's no, like, I don't know anybody who did who did it. Yeah. And like, you know, it's not like your parents' friends were into it, or even like acknowledge TV as a medium that you're allowed to taken so or at least my family was that way and so it was like um you know it's so but I remember watching like I loved Buffy as a mm. as a kid and like just like I wonder and then being sadly now in retrospect obsessed with Joss Whedon and like his ability to write and like yeah. his voice and stuff like that and then I was like I wonder what would happen if I like tried and then I wrote like a horror film when I was like 15 or something like that and then I, and then knew that I wanted to do film in some way and then it's just sort of like sorry I'm rambling but it, it was sort of like a long journey into writing because there's no like who are you who am I looking up to like Mina Shum for sure and then like and then and then and then you know there was like okay I guess there's like maybe that's not a thing and there's no one to talk to you about it, and there's no one to look up to so then it was really until uh, the WGC and Bell had like a diversity program for writers that mm. I realized that like that's a thing to go for. Prior to that, like I was a develop exec and like did creative stuff. But yeah, and the WGC it, being the Writers Guild of Canada. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They put on an excellent program. So. Yeah. Yeah. So and now Warner Media too. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we'll get we'll get into this. <laughs> yeah. No. That, that that that's amazing that you found your way into the television and film industry. Even though, like you said, it's 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 not like you know growing up as a young Asian in Canada that you would have had that that type of um, access or influence. I know, like with um with with my parents, and I feel like this happens with a lot of Asians. It's like you know, usually in junior high, they'll actually bring people like community members or friends of the family who are in different occupations to just come talk to you. You know, obviously there's a lawyer that comes talk to you. There's a doctor that comes talk to you. There's a pharmacist and you just get to ask questions and they do this like really young, but you know, clearly there was never like a, a television writer <laughs> that they came through and, and talked to us. So that, that's amazing that you, you, you found your inspiration, you found your spark, and even without seeing that representation, you were able to, to, to carve your, your way in. So I, I wanted to sort of ask you what that journey was like. So, you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, young Vivian writes a, writes a horror script, you know, and that, like, how did you turn the dream into reality? Like, what was your journey into making this an actual career? Um, well, I started, you know, it's so funny. You like, you tried just like to slice a little piece of it. Like, I, I think I always knew I wanted to be a writer. I just never could admit it to myself because I had no idea what that meant. Right. Or the, what that lifestyle was or any of that. And, and so you get into production. Like I was an assistant production coordinator and then I worked at Sportsnet as like in the tape library and like, and so you start to see like people working in that field, like it's a legit field, yeah. <laughs> which we all now know, but, it, but at the time, right, you, you don't, you don't, you're like, oh, like there are bank tellers and then there are whatever. And so being in, I just worked in film and television for as long as I could doing literally everything from like infomercials and PAing to like driving trucks and all of that like mm. stuff. And then um, it was like, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> this is good. But sometimes I was working on a bunch of horror films in mm -hmm. Hamilton and I was reading the scripts and I realized like I could do like I could do something like this 
Mm. Um, right? And you'd meet the writers and they were usually pretty nice or the directors and they were really creative and like they were super supportive and they would, and you'd be like, you know, you're not, it's not unattainable now. Like I've seen yeah. a writer in the flesh. I've seen a director. <laughs> you're not, un- I've read the stuff. It's not unattainable. And then, and then you kind of start to write your own things from there. And like, I went into the development side so that I could understand. Sorry, this is like long and rambling. Maybe someone no, no, wants no, to be a writer is... out there. So <laughs> no, no, this, this is wonderful. I'm, you know what? It's always, it's always a great sign. I, I usually, I probably shouldn't, shouldn't tell this um, out loud, but it, it's generally a good sign if you're on an interview and the interviewer doesn't cut in. That means like what you're saying is super interesting. If they let you ramble for like five minutes, that means keep going um, because you're, you're giving us gold. So definitely, <laughs> All right. Promise don't cut me off if I if I need to be. Um, but yeah, so I went into the development side to understand what the business of the creative side was. And so it's like, this is what gets sold. And these are your networks. And this is how you package like a show internationally. And that's how you get it made. Or like, these are how films are made. And so like, from that, I I think I was able to like, f- figure out how to like, make a commercial writing career because there's like the spiritual writing career and then there's the like you know you need to sell scripts and you need to sell your show so um so from there like once i kind of got a grasp of what that was and to some degree figure out how to make those two things match um i you know left and tried also (laughs) it's not easy like there's like that I don't like I'm sure like I comedians have it I can imagine very challenging at the beginning and there's always that that, like leap of faith Mm -hmm. and or like one of my showrunners said it's like a vow of poverty like you're going (laughs) to do this regardless (laughs) like that's what you took you like you said I'm gonna do this regardless of how poor I'm gonna be so I'm gonna go and I'm gonna do it so you take the like leap (laughs) and then hope you don't Definitely, comedians in Canada can relate to that to that vow of pro- of poverty. You you were definitely definitely um um c- c- correct on that end. Um, now you know, not to be stereotypical, but I would say probably half my audience is Asian. So I I do often ask this question, but how did your parents feel when you told them um, that you wanted to be a writer? Because, you know, as Asians, that that actually is. And honestly, if I don't ask the question, my audience is like, why didn't you ask that question? Because, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of young Asians out there who do have dreams, but they are a little worried about how it'll be accepted within their family, within their community. Um, And how how did that go for you? Um, Yeah. I mean, they don't like it, so (laughs) (laughs) I think they're sort of like, they're more chill about it now because it's like, you know, I've been in the film for like film industry for 20 years and they're like, I guess, I guess she's not quitting. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they really tried to get me into like either a government job or real estate because they were like, yes, you can go to Los Angeles. And then when you fail at being like a director or writer, you can be a real estate agent. And that was like their voice of support like, we want you to go we just know you're going to fail and now you have a backup plan and something that'll make you happy so oh, I'm like wow. I guess <laughs> um, oh. but in terms of representation yeah. the, the 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 person who did it for me was Ang Lee mm. so like Ang Lee got an Oscar and then my grandmother came up to me and she was like 
Ang Lee, right? Ang Lee. And I was like, yeah, he wanted, she was like, he won an Oscar. Is that what you want to do? And I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And she's like, okay, go be Ang Lee. And I was like, okay, I guess now he made it okay for me. So Amazing, amazing. <laughs> yeah, Ang Lee, it's, uh, it's funny. We've been going, as you know, with uh, with this podcast, we, we, we review movies that are led by minorities. And we, we've actually been going back through some of his, uh, his very early works, like The Wedding Banquet and different things. He's, wow, such a trailblazer. Um, yeah. Such a trailblazer. Um, so now let, let's get into uh, the let's get into the, the the representation part of of the industry um and or actually no uh, before we jump into actually i guess this is sort of part of the representation part is um y y as we mentioned off the top you are one of 18 participants in the inaugural warner media access writers program um and i, I believe one of the uh one of the reasons for the initiative is to promote diversity within within the, the industry. Yes. So, um, I was hoping you could tell me a bit about the program and your participation within the program and sort of the opportunities that it's uh, it's allowed you to have. Oh my goodness, it's incredible! Like it's incredible. Like I, for so many reasons. Like program aside, too, just like meeting other writers who I like from like that are diverse. I guess. <laughs> like yeah. not that I haven't it's just like when you're in a room filled with really diverse writers and we sort of had this intro session where like people sort of pitched what projects they were working on and it really felt like the program was trying to find these intensely diverse very unique very voice driven stories mm -hmm. and so and that and like these writers who are clearly those people as well and it's it's funny because like, you know, like I, I'm now a professional writer and I've read like a thousand and one, if not more pitches. Yeah. And like to hear 17 other pitches where I'm like, I don't like I know that that's a show and I don't know where that show goes because it's so different than what we always make. And it's so diverse and it's so into a window into a, a person I don't know. It's just like that is like very like i don't know it's like writer porn for me i'm like oh like what are we what are we digging into what part of the world like i'm i'm like it's just super enjoyable so i'm in it for like other people's stories apparently i'm and then i do something yeah, <laughs> so. just, just just sticking with that for for a little bit like so what what types of stories interest you like what, what are the ones that you know like you said you you've read over a, a lot of different um a lot of a lot of different scripts so what types just you know just just grab you and, and make you make you want to read through more or want to see where the development goes i mean uh I'm just curious about people. I think that's just like, I just have a curiosity, like, and so, you know, I, I'm, yeah, I think that's it. Like where anywhere there's a good character and you're a little bit like, what are all of the layers of that human being, you know, and how does that work? And, um, and just like, I don't know, I, I'm an introvert, so I like to experience <laughs> the world <laughs> through yeah. other people. So without me having to go there so i guess that's you know I, I i i i was similar this is a weird analogy i'm kind of known for weird analogies but i remember when i first moved to toronto i um i was very focused on on my career um 
And so I, I was single for, for about my first seven years. And so I definitely, li- and I, I strangely being a stage person, I, I am a bit of an introvert myself, but I was living through my friends' dating lives. Like I was just like, <laughs> I was always like, how'd the date go? And so I, so I definitely get what you mean about, you know, like being that introvert and, and really living through other, other people's stories. I, I know very weird, probably unrelated um, analogy, but that's no, what I love it. Really Cause you just want to know, like, what are they yeah. like? Your date is like some oddball and what are you and then yeah (laughs) the best dating stories are the best (laughs) now in in terms of you know of diversity and inclusion in the industry and representation as a whole you know television film industry doesn't have the best record um you know no, it does not <laughs> at all and and particularly particularly around asian representation um like i've i remember like you know growing up the only yellow family on tv i saw was the simpsons like it's it's not <laughs> like oh Yes. It just it, it just wasn't happening. And and, you know, there was a bit of controversy, you know, bringing it back to the Canadian film industry. You know, one of the biggest breakout hits ever on Canadian TV, Kim's Convenience. Um, but, you know, members of the cast after the show was done uh, basically came out and said, you know, outside of the creator of the show um, in um, in his Troy, um, outside of him, the writer's room basically had zero diversity so when so when the co-creator left there was really nobody to take on that mantle um and you know having been a part of these writers now i, I will i will give the caveat to to our listeners you know like you know i am asking vivian this question but let's keep it real she's in the industry i'm not asking her to name names she still has to work in this industry so you know Give, give me your best take on your feelings on that situation, but sort of just as a whole, being part of these writers' rooms um, and what w- w- what the feeling's like, um, you know, without getting yourself into trouble. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, oh, oh, so fungible, I think is the word that they use. Okay, so um, it's, it's, yeah. I think they've, I think the people who, you know, were responsible for that show have like learned a lot of lessons in the last little while. Um, you know, you can't, what is it? You can't, not, not about us without us is kind of like the idea. Um, okay. Let me say the nice things first. I think they made a really popular and huge show and I think they probably had really good intentions and they, you know, in terms of job representation, they got a lot, a lot of Asians got work. So that's good. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm like, cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, you didn't cast a bunch of white people in Ken's Convenience. Amazing. Good job. Yeah. Like, fantastic. <laughs> Check mark. Um, should they have possibly hired like one more person? 10 more people? Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea. Like, I can't imagine as... Okay, <laughs> no, but I'm just gonna say like it's hard like it's hard to write another person's experience without doing an incredible amount of research, and it's a lot of, you know, and obviously they had ends Choi in there, and like so, but it's a lot of like it's a lot of burden on one human being to sustain yeah. that for an entire show for so many characters. Like I just can't imagine how he would not be burnt out. And like, also it's the other problem with being the only one in the room is like, cause I've been the only one in the room 
a few times and I'm always like sweating bullets because I'm like, am I Asian enough to tell you that this is the story? And like my, my thing is like, you need two people to make a culture. Like if it's just me in the room, I don't know what's Asian or my parents being nuts, right? Like I don't know what's <laughs> yeah. weird or not until you compare it to another person's Asian experience, yeah. right? And so it's a little bit like, like, so whenever I have to speak for, and also it's not just like I'm speaking for like Taiwanese and Chinese people. It's like, who of whom like I've been in what Taiwan for like three weeks of my life like yeah okay bubble tea (laughs) like so it's like you want other like you just want someone else in the room to to at least you know compare notes to because it's not it you know like what am I like you're not gonna write Bridgerton with like one person like researching like reading Jane Austen you're gonna have like a bunch of people trying to figure out like what Regency era like shows are like you're not so like when you're writing about an Asian family don't you want like some other people <laughs> yeah I, I think the case of Kim's convenience is really interesting because it, it was a show so they they did bring a lot of they did bring in a lot of Asian writers but what happened and this is it's sort of weird because it's one of the shows that they they hired a lot of um a lot of uh, comedians, like stand-up comedians, improvers mm. to come in and do the writing. But what was happening was like, it was like all their staff writers, the ones that continued season after season, the ones that had power were basically all white um, other than other than Innes. And then it, it honestly and became- no scripts, right? No, no written by other than Inns, I guess? Did Inns write, did any? Um, I think they're, uh, no, oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I think I, I, I was never in that writer's room, so I, I, I can't say, say for sure. Like, obviously, with, um, with the, the whole creation and the concept is all him. I do think they gave like, like, like writing credits to, uh, to people other than him. I'm not, um, but like, uh, with, with, um, at least from, from the stories I hear from the stand-up comedians, I, I just saw it. Like, they would, they would just cycle through the Asians. They would sort of bring you in. I, would, I think the average was like three episodes. They'd sort of bring you in, sort of like take all your life experiences and ideas. And then after that, like you're gone and then they cycle in the next Asian. So it's not even that they didn't have Asians. It's it's even worse than that. They, they just cycled through Asians, sort of took your life story, but then um, didn't have you there to finish it. it it was honestly it was it was i was it was it was even worse it was even worse than what they were reporting because it honestly would have been better if they didn't have asians it's just i think it's even more it's it's even more exploitative to bring people in give them the hope that they might be like a staff writer but really what you're trying to do is you know it kind of reminds me of um what was that hbo show about about silicon valley um, oh, I think it's oh. actually called Silicon Valley, yeah. <laughs> and uh, where you know it's it, it's it's a thing where they bring in young founders to pitch, um, giving them the hope that they're gonna like buy their company, but then all they do is they take their pitch and then they just like steal it and incorporate it into their thing. So like that that's the thing that happens in Silicon Valley, and I kind of feel like that happened at Kim's Convenience. It was it was this real thing. Um, in well, the, that's really gross. <laughs> Yeah. So anyhow. I guess I'm not working with them again. But that's really gross. No. I, I think that's really gross. Like, as a writer, sorry, I'm now mad. <laughs> yeah. Whether that was their intention or not, I'll, I'll I'll tell you. Like, you know, I'm I'm probably hurting myself 
being the one putting this out, but like honestly, and you can talk to almost any Asian stand-up comedian in Toronto. Almost all of them have been in the writers' room, and none of them have lasted more than like three to five episodes. So it's it's not it's it's as open a secret as you can get. Um, so when when all that broke, like I said, the only the only thing I was surprised that broke was that they said there was no Asians, and I was like, that's not really the case. It was actually even worse than that. Um, wow. Sorry. But yeah, so bring it, bringing it back to bring it back to you, and enough of my drama with the with the, with the comedians. Um, uh, so one interesting thing I'm always super interested in with writers is like your writing process, because I find every single person I ask has a different writing process, like. Do you like? Do you have like a list of ideas? Do you just sit down with a blank sheet of paper and lock yourself in a dungeon for a month? Like, how? Like, it seems like everybody has a totally different process, and I, I would love to hear about yours. Um, I so my process is like, uh, I found for me what I did was I found when am I most efficient as a writer? Like, when does the writing come easiest? And I found that it was like first thing in the morning, like as soon as I wake mm. up, make coffee, go, right. And so that really helps because then you're like, oh, I did like so much work without even like really trying. And so that makes what is a very boring task very like quick. Um, and then I uh, shop online to get the dopamines <laughs> going. So, or I like you, like you really get to a point, I don't know about you, like I'm sure because you're like writing jokes and like bit, like the whole like a whole stand-up thing which is huge and like way more challenging and it's like like you food motivate yourself so you're like if I just write one more scene I can eat <laughs> ice cream <laughs> and then you're just like okay I'm gonna and then you eat the ice cream and then you like okay if I get one more thing I can buy this shirt on like you know Rizia or whatever and then you like <laughs> and like you just and I do that till I'm done <laughs> so uh, the notes process is different. The notes involves lots of yelling, inventing at my boyfriend and stuff like that until <laughs> until the so, anger leaves, and then I do and work. No, notes being like like second drafts, like after you get the script notes back, you mean, and then you have to revise. Yeah, yeah I would say that's that's probably why I'm a stand up comedian is because I don't get any script notes except for like for me the. For me, my script doctor is the audience. If it sucks, they will literally boo me. <laughs> so that's sort of like, I guess that's real time notes. Um, but because of that, you don't really um, have somebody somebody coming in with, with notes other than other than the audience. Um, now, would you take notes like like as a comedian or do you are you just like I test that material? I just like go. I'm I'm a little bit different than most comedians. So I would say the majority of comedians and I, I always I always give the example of Apple versus Google just to show I'm not throwing shade at the other like process because clearly they're both very successful companies. But it's in the methodology. So I would say most comedians are like Google. It's like it's it's like um, Q and A testing. It's like you write a hundred jokes you throw all 100 jokes on stage you keep the best five rinse and repeat you just keep writing 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 whatever works you keep the five i'm more like 
an Apple style or like from what from what Steve Jobs said, probably more like a playwright of like I, I remember like Steve Jobs, he he hates like um, consumer polls and surveys. He's basically like, you don't know what you people don't know what they want until I show them what they want. You know, it's mm -hmm. like it's sort of yeah. like he's it's like for me as a comedian, I don't want the audience to tell me what's funny. You know what I mean? Because then why am I why am I mm. on stage? Like I'm not gonna. At least I don't want to be disrespectful to the the other part because literally ninety percent of comedians do it the other way and do it very successfully. Just for me, I'm more like a playwright where like I'll literally disappear for half a year and I'll come back with like a whole new full show instead of just debuting it like joke by joke and then keeping the best ones. Um, and based on audience reaction, I probably will change maybe ten percent, and that's mm. it. Um, and it's, I don't know. I always say it's like, you know, like it's, it, it, it's, it's, if I'm, you know, cause before comedy, I used to do freelance photography and I was always like, you know, it'd be like, if I'm listening to the people at the, um, at the, at the art gallery on how I should be doing my photos, like either they like it or they don't, which is great. But I don't really, I, I know it seems kind of mean and audience, I love you, but I really don't care what you think. Like it's just <laughs> sort of either, either people are going to like it or they don't. And I feel like as an artist, you have to sort of put your foot down that way. Um, so anyway, so, so, so back to you, the reason why I was relating that is because that's why I, I think in terms of writing, it'd be very difficult for me to have like script notes or a writing assignment. And, you know, I've, I've definitely done some of those. Um, different like writing assignments um but it's it's just not me i just need that full full control which is probably not healthy as a as, a, as an overall adult but anyway enough about me um back to you so the actual art of storytelling i feel like sometimes people like don't understand you know what goes behind storytelling and i was actually one of these awful people before where um and you know i'm, I'm gonna out myself here and some people will get mad at me but sometimes people would come to comedy shows and they would just sort of like talk on stage but they weren't actually doing like the art of stand-up like they there were let's say like there were no jokes like there were no punchlines it was just like weird observations which is fine and i made the mistake of is this is where i'm getting into trouble but i made the mistake of i, I would tell people because i'd be encouraging i wouldn't want to tell people they're terrible at comedy i'd be like you know maybe you might want to try going to like storytelling i was like it seems like you're just telling stories on stage now now that i've learned more about storytelling i'm like okay actually no there's more to storytelling than comedy without jokes so i was like um so anyway that's a long-winded way of me asking you you know like what is the art of storytelling and how did you educate yourself from when you just wrote for yourself to sort of learning because you know with 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 within the industry you're not going to be a successful writer without understanding you know the different elements of storytelling so how did you educate yourself from somebody who likes stories to somebody who understands you know like how they flow what the elements are um, how to give people that satisfaction and closure as they read through the story so um, I started with the storytelling and film side and film side is very different than television. So mm. film, I feel like a lot of writers start with Pixar because they are so, 
perfectly mm-hmm. structured and they really they really go and do the the like classic storytelling work um but but they also manage to tell these incredible like out of the box stories as well right and so i feel like you do pixar and then the other part of because I used to story edit films as well, was that, like, you get these crazy auteurs, or not crazy auteurs, but, like, auteurs, or just, like, anyone who wanted to test the waters a little and, like, make these films that aren't structured like um, like a three-act structure or, like, a Pixar thing. And so part of that was, like, well, I'm I'm watching this, and it's interesting, and, like, so... And I can't stop watching this, but it's not the React structure. So that was the second mm. part of storytelling. There's like the classic storytelling. And then there's this thing of like, well, it's not classic, but it's interesting. So how do I dig into what that is? And when I'm in a situation like that um, as a writer or with someone else, like how do you dig out the more truthful version of that chaotic story, I guess is what, <laughs> like chaos stories. And so I kind of like... It, it, I, I mean, I can't distill it because it's every time it's different, but it's sort of a yeah. little bit like as long as you're watching, as long as there's a theme or a mood or a feeling that is like incredibly human or incredibly surreal or whatever it is, intriguing, then like build on that, build on the intriguing. And so with those two things, then you kind of like try and figure out each time which of what version you're trying to do. So like, you know. And then you're, so that's like the thing I'm trying to master and like bring to television, which is incredibly like we, you know, we've got our Mm. act structures. So for people who are more film people, it's like television is like, you've got your every, everything's lined up to a commercial break. So you have an act out right before your commercial break. And like, you need to have your like big turns in certain ways throughout the episode. And you've got like usually four or five act breaks. And so you tell us a television story that wraps up in a certain like 43 minutes or whatever it is so um and it's so so it's just trying to like combine all those storytelling features um into into like what i do it's probably not that it's probably like i mean on a procedural you it's like you find the guy so you find the guy who commit the crime or like you know and by guy it's like a flexible gender term i mean like you catch the criminal so, but like uh, that's, but that sort of types of storytelling is like what's really interesting to me is like, mm. you know, not everything, like your life is not a three act structure. So, yeah, you know, and, and, and shout out to, to, uh, to, um, to Asian American filmmaker and Academy Award winner Chloe Zhao, because I think her film Nomad Land is like a perfect example of that, where it doesn't, really follow um, a, 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 a classic structure, almost any, any structure at all. But, you know, it's what you said. It's sort of living within the chaos. And I think it's like any type of art. It's like, you know, when when you have such a mastery over that craft is when you can start to deconstruct it a bit. And I think um, she she really uh, she really did a great job of, of deconstructing the three act structure um, in Nomadland. Um, now, um, I so so one thing um, I, I um, with, uh, with, uh, with with some of the, the different the different the different shows they do. One of them is is called Fresh Rice, and it's for new 
Asian comedians, new Asian writers. And so oh um, we, we do have, you know, because there's the... It's a great name. Sorry. I just got to say that's oh. great. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah, because, you know, so, so we've got like the pro comedians as rice asian comedy showcase and then we have fresh rice and we um so i i know some of them are 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 listening in um to this episode and so um i'd love to give you a chance to to speak to the new generation who who might be um inspired by your success and your story like what advice could you give um you know a, a lot of these um comedians and writers some have only been uh been been at it for 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 three to six months and i think all of them have been like uh fewer than two years and you know they they they're they're probably just as confused as a lot of asians are um thinking about the the film industry um because you know as we talked about before we just don't have that access to people who can just tell us so um, what, what message do you want to give to, uh, to the new generation, no pressure, <laughs> to the new generation of young Asians who might be inspired by your journey and, you know, how can they um, follow in your footsteps? Um, well, first, I'm like, hi, and I can't wait to see your stuff. <laughs> so, um, but on, like, honestly, like, I feel like it's a good time, you know, there's a lot of opportunities here, so, like it's the door the door is open and then the other thing i guess is just go to the love like you know go to the people who love your work like find the community because you know there's a lot of people in in the industry it's big and there's a lot of people who still don't get it and like they don't a lot of us try and get worth from what an industry thinks of us or like does it sound like is this TV enough? Do you have enough voice? Whatever it is, like, it's not unique or whatever it is. And it's like, no, nah, you are unique. Everyone has something to say. Everyone is awesome. Work on your craft and go to the love, you know, go to, and, and that's how you grow. So is that even coherent? I mean, yeah, it made sense in my no, mind. That was, so. that was amazing. That was amazing. Um, Vivian, I want to, I want to thank you again for, for being on, on the show. So many great insights. Um, I guess I, I want to ask before we wrap up, how do people find you and are there any upcoming projects that you, you want you want to tell us about that we should be looking out for? So you can find me on Twitter. I think I'm the VLIN. Oh my goodness. And I think I'm yeah, the, yeah. the under the the underscore VLIN on Instagram. And um, just announced today, SkyMed, Paramount Plus has picked up SkyMed, which is um, one of the shows I was working on this summer. And so um, look forward to that. It's diverse. It's sexy. It's Top Gun meets Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Bring your aviators. Watch it. Wow, <laughs> so. wow SkyMed. That, yes. that sounds amazing. I will definitely be checking that out. Um, everybody um, listening, you should check it out too. And, uh, you know, thanks again, Vivian. And thank you for all the listeners for tuning in. We will be back next week with our regularly scheduled programming and um, I am your host, Fong Show, official spokesperson for gay, super cute Asians, and that's what's up. Thank you for your service. <laughs> this podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar! 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.